If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, your resources to selling strategies, tips, and best practices to take your performance to the next level. There's no reason you can't double your sales. So let's get to it with your sales coach, Ursula Menches. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, where you learn all the tips, mindset shifts, tools, and strategies to two times your sales in any niche. I'm your host, Ursula Minchis, and I can't wait to dive into today's show. I have the very cool, amazing Julie Lasso here with me today. And I just want to say, Julie, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Ursula. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited to interview. I know that for all of you who haven't listened before, maybe this is your first time, or if you've been listening for a while, you're going to love Julie because she's real, she's raw, she's authentic, she says it how it is. And I really appreciate that. And so get ready, take out your pen and paper so that you can take some notes. Before I introduce Julie, I just want to remind you, if you haven't gone to salescoachnow.com forward slash gift yet, pretty easy, salescoachnow.com forward slash gift, do that so you can get the six secrets to doubling your sales. It's a PDF you can download now. It'll help you with your business today. And I'd love to partner with you on your next event, conference, or sales training session. My fall is getting booked solid. Just lots of people looking for sales training, but we do have some spaces available yet. You can go to my website, my speaker website, Ursula Menchus, and that's U-R-S-U-L-A-M-E-N-T-J-E-S.com to see all my latest keynotes and click on the link to book me there or email us at contact at salescoachnow.com to answer any of your questions. Also, if you like the show, Double Your Sales Now, please leave us a review on iTunes and also, you know, share it with a friend of yours, someone who might be having a tough time in business. I want to thank our sponsor today. What would we do without our sponsors that keep the show going? Our latest sponsor is one of our clients, Red Cape Consulting. Tiffany Pavelka is the owner. And she has an amazing business for business owners. She says, are you tired of dealing with employee problems? Yeah. Are you experiencing low morale and employee and low employee engagement? Maybe. Do you have limited resources to manage expectations? Instead, maybe you want happy employees, you want to make more money, and you want to keep your talent. If you have any of these issues, Red Cape Consulting can help you within three months or even sooner. So they have a proven and effective process that can really help you and your business grow to that next level. Get your free report, Insider Secrets for Business Owners with Problem Employees at redcaperesults.com. 
And they just said, you know, reach out to us. We would love to help you and connect with us at Tiffany Pavelka. And you can reach her at 952-240-9057. Again, that's 952-240-9057. Go to redcaperesults.com to get your free insider report. Thank you, Tiffany. We love having you as a sponsor. With that, let me tell you about Julie. Julie Lasso. She is the founder and principal of JHL Solutions, a business solutions and management firm with expertise in retail. Julie creates introductions, partnerships, negotiation strategies for retail businesses, specifically those that make, sell, and invest in consumer products such as home goods and apparel. Julie's mission is to support businesses in better understanding and elevating relationships with key partners, driving productivity, growth, and profits. Yes, she's super smart and has a wealth of connections. So I'm super excited. So Julie, tell everybody, I mean, when I first met you, I had an idea of what you do and then I got it. So tell everybody a little bit about your background, how you got into this world of retail, why you love doing what you do. Oh, thank you so much, Ursula. And thank you again for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and humbled to be part of the podcast interviewee community. You're a rock star, woman. <laughs> well, I've been a listener for a long time, so this is just a thrill to be here today. My backstory is actually pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Right out of school, I came to work for a local Minneapolis retailer, Target, who some of you may have heard of, at their corporate headquarters. And it was an amazing experience. I spent 17 years there but the skills I learned, the teams I got to work with, and the businesses that I got to help build and drive it was absolutely amazing. And it was a blessing for that to be the first chapter of my career there. And I really couldn't have asked for more. But really, as many people do, and you've heard this story before, I got to a point where I was craving, in part, some more flexibility in the work I was doing. But in my heart of hearts, I knew I could drive more value. I knew I could have more impact on the work that I was doing. And for me, what that looked like was finding a way to help retailers and their supplier partners have better conversations. Very simply put, and I appreciate you using the official bio language, but my work is all about driving partnerships and reliability. And simply put, I really help people speak the same language when it comes to retail businesses. Well, I think there's so many people that desire those relationships. They want to expand their business or they want to start a business, but they have so much fear in that area. So I know we're going to talk about that at the end. You're going to share some amazing strategies that you give to your clients to help them break through into that retail world. But before we get there, we want to talk about your business. So yeah, when you launched it in the beginning, right, you had this great corporate experience, this amazing 17-year career at Target. Congratulations, by the way. But what, if any, limiting beliefs did you have about having your own business in the beginning or about selling? What came up for you? I had the mother of all limiting beliefs when it came to sales, to put it frankly. I didn't want to be a salesperson. And for all the typical reasons that you've heard before, but my most limiting belief was that I wasn't cut out to do it. I just didn't have that personality. When I was thinking about taking the leap and launching my business, I met with a friend who had recently started out on her own. And her advice to me was that I really didn't need to, quote, do sales to have a successful business. I could just network and my business would magically grow. And looking back, what I think she really meant was that I didn't need to be pushy to sell, but selling was really about making connections, which is something that I do love. But the gift in that was that if I knew that I really had to sell, I probably wouldn't have even gotten started. I was so against the idea of being a salesperson and not understanding that I would need to be the top salesperson in my company, whether I was good at it or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think when we all look back at our journeys, it's interesting who shows up on them. And thank goodness your friend said that. Like, <laughs> don't worry, just network. And mm -hmm. so much of selling, like you said, is making those connections 
you know, having those relationships. So then what unfolded after that? So your first prospect is suddenly in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you do? <laughs> How did you close the deal? Well, unfortunately, I can't say that I closed the deal with my first prospect. But what I learned for me was that the key to selling and sales was really understanding what was the service that I could provide others. There aren't a lot of people that are specifically in my space that are thinking about vendor partnerships and thinking about sourcing and how you make product. So this is definitely was a work in process for me then and continues. But when I was connecting with a potential client who sees value in the work I do and the potential that I have to change their business, then the conversation really doesn't feel like it's about selling. It's about growing their organization and how I can be a part of that. And for me, that doesn't even feel like work. That's so exciting. And I came to believe that sales was about connecting that value that I have to an organization that was a need and wanted to grow. And the other thing I'd say that I understand now about selling is that being good at sales isn't a personality trait. It's not something you're just cut out for or not. It's a talent that you can learn, but you also need a process. You need to do your research, do your outreach, do your follow-up. And the better that I became at tracking and holding myself accountable to the process, the better I got at business development and sales and the more confident I had when I was sitting in front of those prospects and having a conversation about the work that we could do together. Yeah. So really developing that sales process and realizing it is a process. There are steps. It's a skill. And then once you get it, you got it and you know it. It doesn't mean that it always get every yes we want. We, right. we get no's and yeses, <laughs> but we got to do that follow up, which hopefully we'll still have time to talk about. I'm going to make a note about that because I want to come back because I think you've done amazingly well at staying in touch with people. So the business is growing. Was there a moment like an amazing month or a moment when you had a big double or a moment where you're like, okay, this is happening. This is a real business. I'm not going back to corporate America. (laughs) Do you remember that moment? I do know that moment. So I remember in the first quarter of this year, so 2019, I had landed three clients within the space of a month. And at that point, I couldn't just say that it was a fluke. And I was actually having a conversation with you and you had asked me, well, what does this mean for your business. You've got three new people that you're working with. And the words literally tumbled out. It means that I have doubled my business from 2018 from my launch year, which was just so amazing. And when I look back on it, the three people I was working with, I met in different ways. And I met them in some ways very independently from my target corporation network that I had left the organization with. So it did feel like it was affirming that it was a business that I could run and that I was running. It was real in a new way. That's cool. It's, it is like that moment where you're like, oh, I am the CEO. This is happening. Like there's, I'm paying myself after all my bills are paid. This is very exciting. This is the thing. So, <laughs> I know. so what did you, what did you believe about selling then? So after that, you know, you, you did it, you had these new clients. Were there new beliefs that kind of were bubbling up for you? Yeah. And I'll build on a point I made earlier, but to me, the key for sales and selling was about better understanding and communicating the service I was providing others, but really connecting with a client to be able to tell them what I can do for their business. And they see the value in that work just felt amazing. And like I said, it's not something that you can just have. It's a skill that you can build. And there's other skills that I've learned and it's motivating for me to learn new things. I find that really challenging in a great way, but it's it's very affirming. And that's one of my favorite parts of being an entrepreneur in addition to serving and providing value to my clients is learning new things and challenging my own sales set. So I believe that sales and selling is something I can be good at. I can be good at in a way that's very genuine to me, Julie, and to my business and to my clients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you are, it's been amazing, like watching you 
follow up and watching you just, you know, continue to grow the business and basically do whatever it takes, even in the toughest moments. And I also know you're a seeker. Like, I feel like you're constantly working on yourself and like learning and reading a lot of books. And when you look back at your career and then the business, what do you think is the number one limiting belief that you changed that really has helped you in all of your success to date? That learning and growth mentality is absolutely fundamental to the, certainly the career I had before, but definitely the business I'm leading now. Because I'm not good at something or because I don't know something, I can't let that stop me. The filter I use now is really to say, is that something that I want to be good at to be in service to my clients or to my business? And then I think about what are the best ways that I can learn how to do that? What are the partners that I can take and things that I can read or learn or be coached on? Because the thing I embrace now is that there are people who need the service and the insights that I provide. And those people are right are happy to hear from me. Following up with them is not a burden. When I review my service and support model with them, it gives them a chance to hear how I can help their company. And there is both definitely an art and science to that. And that was definitely a skill that I had to learn. I think the follow-up for me was definitely that secondary block after thinking that I was a burden. I was like, well, how often do I follow up? And how much is too much? But waiting six months to send someone an email, asking them how they're doing is not following up. (laughs) You've got to be direct and persistent with your ideal customers. And they'll thank you for that. And for me, that's motivating and helps me build momentum in in my business and my support. Yeah. So I just want to touch on that really quickly. We clearly, you, you know, you said, following up in six months is not serving. (laughs) No. So what is your follow-up process now or how soon, like when you're thinking about a prospect, how soon do you feel like, oh, I should follow up in X amount of time or like, how do you make that judgment call now? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing for me is creating a system. I got to the point where I had a massive Excel spreadsheet that just wasn't serving me anymore when I would keep track of all the people I was connecting with and what we talked about when I wanted to reach out to them next. So I moved over to use a freemium CRM service, which was a HubSpot for me, works really well. And when I add someone to my CRM, I put in a contact date. And when you're just starting the conversation, I try to be really purposeful about connecting getting on the calendar as soon as possible. So making sure I've heard from someone, if I haven't heard in one or two days, I will follow up to say, is this the right time? Just to confirm here, sometimes it worked for me in the next week or two. Oh, circle back again. Maybe if I didn't hear, is this a good time for you to connect? Is this month the right time? Are you in town traveling? In Minnesota summer, you never know when someone's got that week at the lake. So I try to probe a little bit further and give them an avenue then to respond with when would work well, and then get that date locked down. I follow up right away after I've had a chance to meet with someone. If we didn't set a meet, meeting date in the room, which is always ideal, I make sure I'm following up and connecting. And again, I'm fairly persistent until I can align on when's the next time we're going to talk, when's going to make sense for you. And then I set that reminder in my HubSpot, in my system. So then it pops up, I get the email reminder, and then I go back and reach out. And based on where we are in that sales process, the reach out might be in a month. Sometimes six months is the right answer because of their business model. So I do try to respect and appreciate that. I want to show up at the right time for a business. But it's a lot closer in with the initial follow-up than I thought it would be. I think I initially thought reaching out every two to three days early on would have been pushing people too much. And then I've got some really great responses from that. So when I followed up, I get the email back saying either this is the right time. Yep, let's book this now or more information on when is going to be right for them. And I, like I said, respect and appreciate that too. But then I can also move forward and keep having conversations with other people in the meantime. 
So it's interesting. You said, you know, you've gotten some really positive responses or honest responses. So you know where the prospect is in the process. So what is, I mean, for all of our listeners, right? Like what would your best advice be to them about really following up and why it's so important and maybe what the prospect might be waiting for? (laughs) Well, this was a lesson that I had heard, but I don't know that I really believed until I flipped the script on it a little bit. So as a business owner, I'm also being contacted from people who want to provide services or offerings as well. And I caught myself getting an email lost in the inbox as an example, and it would fall down after like a day or two, I lost it just in the dealing with the rest of my business. But when someone followed up with me in a really short order, it reminded me, oh, yes, I still want to do business with that person. I'll take either a moment to confirm the time or tell them when it's going to make sense. But I can see how easy it is to to lose that message. The other thing that I do, and I'll be honest here, this is a skill that I'm still building, is getting much more comfortable reaching out and calling people. I don't always love getting phone calls, especially if I'm in the flow of working. So for me, that was a real personal block that I put up that people didn't like getting phone calls. So I'm still candidly working on that one, but I've gotten good results when I've been able to call people and leave a message, voicemail as well. There's a different level of urgency. And some people really appreciate that. So that's the other thing I would put out that frequently, more frequently than you think you need. And then there are opportunities to use the phone too. And you can get great responses there as well. That's great. I mean, we are all works in progress because there's going to be moments when it's like, Mm -hmm. do I pick up the phone right now? (laughs) Do I send this email? Like we're all human. And so it is a great reminder though, that people then can be honest. And interesting point about losing emails. I'm the same. Like I constantly, (laughs) I try to really manage my inbox, but accidentally I'll delete two or three emails at a time and not realize it. And I don't know about you, Julie, but I do judge people by their follow-up. I mean, if someone's <laughs> not on me, I think mm, they probably don't really want my business. And so it is like, I like how you said it, like you've got to flip the script sometimes and see, you know, if I were on the other end of this, how would I feel? And so your top 20% for all of our listeners, they're waiting to hear from you. They are waiting. So you've talked about networking. You've talked about follow-up, but I'm curious, like how those, are they part of your top two strategies? But what do you think? Like when you had that big month and then you looked back, what were the top two sales strategies that you used for that first big double? I think the key for me was certainly networking, but I would say refining that as I went along. When I first started networking, I was both trying to understand my market and refine my business model. Yeah. But I was also, in hindsight, speaking to clients that were either too small to really need my services or too new and weren't in a space where they need my services. So they didn't have the capacity or resources to bring me in. And I took some of that early feedback as a critique of my services. But once I found the right sized clients, the conversation shifted from, well, we can't afford that, or that's not the investment we're looking to make to how soon can we get started? And so that was really key to make sure I was targeting both the work appropriately to the right people and not mixing the two. And being really open with asking some questions and not trying to show up as an expert that had a fully formed business plan and knew exactly how they're going to help. I really needed to make sure I was asking some questions and doing some more probing to make sure that that fit was there and it was going to be beneficial to both of us. And then the second thing that I really focused on, and and you've heard me touch on process and systems a little bit already, but that's definitely been a, a key for me, especially as mostly a solopreneur to date. I needed to find ways to automate my sales and marketing strategies. So as I got busier supporting clients and I couldn't do all that networking one-on-one like I'd been doing, I had to find ways to connect with larger audiences and and make it easier for them to find me. And so for me, what's worked there is doing more thought leadership, publishing content, 
working on speaking engagements, moderating events where I know that I'll be able to connect with uh, people who either might need my services or be trusted advisors or influencers to those that might. So those are the two big things I focused on. That's excellent. I mean, and I think you're keying in on, you know, with networking to be in front of those right people, like you really honed in on that top 20%. And then even talking about now with process and systems, even honing more, like, where am I spending my time? And this is good for everyone who's listening. Like what, you know, we have our top 20% of clients, but then there's also our top 20% of time spent, you know, where are we investing that time? And are we getting in front of the right people? Because we can waste a lot of time doing the wrong things and not getting where we want to go. So I want to make sure you have time to talk about retail sourcing, which we know you're an expert in. And we have listeners all over the world. I'm sure there's people out there that, you know, are super curious about this. So tell us again, I think it would be great is a little bit, you know, just a short description of retail sourcing again, and then describe your top 20%, like who would be an ideal client for you? So either our listeners can say, Hey, that's me. Or they can say, I know somebody like that. And then please share your strategies with us. Happy to. So what retail sourcing for me is all about is finding the right partners for each other. And that means I work with both suppliers and retailers on the supplier side or the people who make products. It's all about knowing how you want to grow your business, but being really thoughtful about who you're growing your business with. And I saw it you know, a handful of times at Target where someone thought that they're, from a supplier perspective, thought their greatest dream that it could come true where they placed business with Target, which is an amazing experience for a lot of people, but they just weren't set to grow. And so that relationship either got off to a really rocky start or floundered and never really got going because there was an issue with something being produced to the correct standards or shipping, etc. And then on the retailer side, with retail growing and changing as fast as it is, I find that a lot of retailers now are really focused certainly on their customer, which is amazing, and all of the technology they can use to navigate all these changes. But there's less and less time that they're focused on finding those right suppliers and communicating really clearly with them. So for retailers, really, the focus is more on how are you reaching out to the right partners? How do you onboard them to your systems and your approach, especially if it's a supplier you haven't worked with in the past or one that you want to grow that's struggling? So it's really all about having the right conversation using the right language, really. It's almost a retail dialect that retailers are increasingly speaking their own language and suppliers are increasingly speaking their own language. And how do you translate that? And that's something that I really love to do is run towards a challenge like that and help build the connections and then ultimately the process for the teams to go forward and have that path forward of building a great relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like creating that perfect marriage and I think the other thing that's important to note is that who you think might be your dream retailer might be your worst nightmare if it's not a good fit if you're, or if you're not ready. I can't even imagine landing a big deal with a major retailer and then having shipping not ready or having you know something that I didn't anticipate happening or having so much success that I run out of product. Exactly right. Or not understanding what the growth plans were for both companies. And I'd say this is true for, I think, all businesses, certainly not just retailers and suppliers, but one of the, the founding principles for my business is that the best relationships in business, just like personal relationships, are built on a shared or at least a compatible value system. So whether you're looking for your new service partner or you're positioning yourself to a client, I think it's really important to take time to understand what are the values of that organization and be really critical on how similar your approaches are. So does working with this group bring out the best in your organization? Are you able to bring out the best in them? 
Because often you hear people say, well, I had a gut feeling that they had at the start of a new relationship or with a new client that it just wasn't right, but you pursued it anyway, and it didn't end well. And I believe that you can avoid a lot of that by reviewing and looking through whether it's value alignment or growth strategies, and just really make sure that you're both set up to grow together in a very healthy way. So who would be like a perfect size company or perfect, not even size, but who would be your, you know, your top 20%? Oh, thank you for asking that question again. I got so excited. Who I really am excited to help are more mid-market businesses. So I've helped everyone from a teeny tiny startup. It's certainly a heart project. All the way up to my largest partner has been $300 million in annual revenue. But my sweet spot is really more in that 10 to $50 million range. So it's a mid-sized business that's excited to grow, ready to grow, and has the momentum and the resources to, to do that, but is stuck on something very specific. And for me, where I can add value often is that partnership piece. So it's vetting, it's onboarding, it's negotiation strategies, whether that's on the supplier side or the retailer side. Got it. So really quickly, you talked about the startup and that was your heart project. I love hearing about heart projects, but <laughs> whatever you can share about that, because I'm sure there's people who are listening who think, gosh, I would love to, you know, I've been sitting on this product for a long time. I, you know, have this dream for it. I see it at Target, whatever. But what's your best advice for someone who's in that seat right now? Or they're even, they've created the product. And they're like, no, I don't know what to do. Because we have a lot of entrepreneurs who are very visionary, but then it's like, <laughs> then what? Well, it's a very exciting time for suppliers who are looking to get entrance into the marketplace because there are so many ways now that you can produce to scale. And I think that's the most important thing to understand is where and how are you going to produce? So a startup that I chatted with is sourcing their product off of Alibaba, their material off of Alibaba and bringing it in and they're getting their buttons from somewhere else. And then they're having the product sewn and made domestically in the U.S., now, that's going to work really well up through the Kickstarter campaign and when they get launched. And they'll have a really great proof of concept when they start to grow and scale. But what they'll need to think about and be very clear on is who do they want to grow and scale to? Target, as an example, is will want to make sure that you can support 1,800 stores. That's a lot from having an online business to making that jump. And, and it's not realistic that you'd be able to do that in like one or two months, you'll have to think about what is that growth plan? And then what are some of the intermediate steps to not necessarily try to hit a grand slam right out of the gates? You want to make sure that your business is growing and your partners are growing in a compatible way. Yeah. That's how I think about it. Great advice. And thank you for sharing so much incredible information for our listeners. I'm, I know people have taken notes. I'm sure they're going to want more. So I'd love to hear a couple things. I'd love to hear what's next for you. Like, what are you excited about in your business? What's happening? And then tell us how, I know you have a cool gift and tell us how we, our listeners can get more from you, please, Julie. Oh, well, I'll start with the cool gift. Well, I hope it's cool. Yeah. As you can tell, I'm, my expertise is in retail, specifically in sourcing and those supplier partnerships. And I love having those conversations. I'm a total retail and sourcing nerd. So if there's anyone in the audience that would appreciate some additional insights on starting, or even if you, you're starting and then you're on the retailer supplier side or interested in thinking about how to grow your business, I'd love to talk more. So my offering is a complimentary 30-minute call, or if you are local to Minneapolis area, I'd love to sit down and discuss your challenges and aspirations and see if there's some resources that I can provide to help it give you some more insights and thoughts on next steps. You can reach out to me directly over email is certainly the easiest way. So it's Julie, J-U-L-I at jhl-solutions.com. Or you can go through my website as well. And that's jhl-solutions.com. And if you go to the website, there is a, a session, three-part study session that you can sign up for that 
gives you a sense of what are some initial questions that you can ask when you are vetting suppliers or questions you should be able to answer, be prepared to answer if you are a supplier who's looking to reach out to a new or larger retail partner. So hopefully both things are of help to you. And for me, what's next in JHL Solutions, I've been really privileged to be able to work with a couple different associations. And fortunately, I can't share it just yet. But if you uh, sign on to my newsletter, JHL Solutions, uh, there should be some more information published soon. I'm helping build out some coursework for a private label association and then also doing some moderating work with a supply, a retailer supplier that's active in the U.S. And so that's been, I can share some more information about that. And then hopefully either of those sessions ends up being of value to the audience. Wow. Thank you. Everyone who's listening, take her up. Like if you feel the pull, reach out to Julie, have that 30 minute call. You can go to her website, jhl-solutions.com and find the information there and reach out to her and super generous. So thank you for that. And I just want to congratulate you, Julie. I know how hard starting a business (laughs) is, right? And it's amazing to see what how you've grown your business and also just how visible you've become. And, you know, you're on podcasts, you're speaking at associations and conferences. I mean, like you are on your path. So that's my other question, right? We know you're available for podcast interviews. Are you available as a keynote speaker or presentation speaker? Oh, I am. I have a workshop and seminar developed around how to build supplier partnerships that I'd love to share about navigating the future of retail sourcing because it is changing so fast to meet the names needs of customers. And I'd be thrilled to have that conversation with you or your organization if that's of any benefit to you. Yeah. Phenomenal. Finally, last question. (laughs) I can talk to you all day. So many questions, but you know, I think you have something juicy here to share. So our listeners all over the world, some of them might be having their best day in business. Some might be having their worst. What's your best advice for those who feel like quitting today? (laughs) Oh, I am so thrilled that you asked this question. Certainly because I've been in that spot where I've had that tough business day. I've been a member of the community for a long time. And a couple of things that I'd like to offer is that, well, first, hopefully something in our conversation today is something that you can take away as an insight for the next step in your business. Because I know for me on the days where I struggled the most, it was understanding and taking that next step that was the best thing that I could do. Just that one step forward and not taking my eye off of the long-term or even mid-term goal for a moment and just taking a step. But that can be really challenging to do as identifying that next thing to do, the next step that's going to have the most impact on your business or on your peace of mind. So that really brings me to my second piece of advice. Because one of my favorite quotes is, don't compare your insides to someone else's outsides. And that's come to have a lot of new meaning to me as a business owner, a new business owner. So like I said, if something I shared today is insightful or connects with you at the right time of challenge, I'm humbled to have been able to provide that insight. But I also know that when on some of those days when I was struggling, I might have connected with a peer or a mentor or someone else in my network and walked away from a meeting really excited, genuinely excited about someone else's success and the way their business was growing. But it wasn't in a way that made me feel great about my business. And sometimes hearing about someone else's success, as happy as you can be for them, isn't affirming for you that your business is growing in the direction you want. So I'd like to share that as well. So if you've got a connection, whether it's a conversation like this one, or you're meeting with someone face to face or reading a book, and what's being shared isn't making you feel motivated to keep growing and helping your business, set those points aside and really focus on the next right step for you. So what's helped me think about that is thinking about the service or the support that I've been able to provide others, both for my clients and in my network, and using that as a filter to think about what should my next step be. So those are the two things I'd say. Always find the right next step to take. And also make sure that step 
resonates with you. And don't compare your, your someone else's blueprint for success with your own, because you might be on chapter two of your story and taking advice from someone on chapter seven, eight, or 90, for that matter, might not be the right thing for you to do. So focus on what's in service to you and your clients now. That is so fantastic. And okay, say the inside outside thing again. Don't compare. Don't compare your insides to someone else's outsides. That would be such a great book title (laughs) or a podcast. I'm just saying, Julie. I'm filing that away. I'm filing that away. (laughs) Do it. All right. Well, thanks for being here today. You rock. We're so glad you're part of our community. You're a leader in our community. And I mean, just an amazing person, amazing mom, wife. We just, we're glad you're here. So thanks for, thanks for being here today. Oh, I so appreciate it. Like I said, it was a privilege and an honor. So much fun. Loved it. All right, everybody reach out to Julie, make that connection, get to know her. She's also extremely networked in many places. So she'd be a great person for you to know. I want to thank you all for listening. We love hearing from you. If you have anything you want to share with us, you can email me directly at Ursula, U-R-S-U-L-A at salescoachnow.com. Or if it's easier, contact at salescoachnow.com. Get your gift at salescoachnow.com forward slash gift. It's pretty easy, right? Just download that PDF. It'll get you back on track. And I can't wait to have you with us on our next show. Make this your most epic month yet. Thank you for listening to Double Your Sales Now. To get even more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. That's salescoachnow.com. Join us again next week to learn how to double your sales now.